We now project Hillary Clinton will get three of the four electoral votes in Maine. Maine distributes its electoral votes uh, according to congressional districts. Donald Trump will get one. As hard as this is to believe, with slim majorities for Democrats in the Senate and the House, if you count the legal votes, it is possible. I easily win. If you count the illegal votes, they can try to steal the election from us. This is no longer an election. This is like Alice in Wonderland. Welcome back. And as we always say, if you want to be the best, you got to join the best podcast. Woo! All right, all right, all right. Here we go. Welcome to another great podcast, the Committee on House Administration. Today, we have some experts that are going to help us understand the different types of equipment used to facilitate elections and the security measures used to protect them. We've got three great guests in the studio with me today. I am really proud to be joined by Chris Anderson. Chris is a new, recently elected Seminole, Florida, Seminole County, Florida, Supervisor of Elections. And he's served a long career in his communities and also uh, in the military and in law enforcement. Uh, Chris was recently appointed as the Seminole County elections official by my former colleague and <laughs> fellow 2012 classmate, yes, sir. Uh, Ron DeSantis, as the new supervisor of elections for Seminole County in January 2019. But you just ran, you just administered your own election. And that had to be an interesting process. Um, Chris has really transformed that office. And I'm, I'm very proud to have him here because he's doing things in Seminole County, Florida, that the rest of the nation is actually looking at. I mean, it's not a coincidence that you're here because you're doing things right. And we see that here in Washington, D.C. And I know a lot of your fellow uh, election supervisors are really proud of the job you're doing. Prior to serving as a supervisor of elections, Chris was the chief investigative officer for the Seminole County Tax Collector. Um, in that role, he had to manage some revenue officers, but yep. he's o- the only Seminole County constitutional officer that actually worked with other multiple county offices. He served the citizens of Seminole County as a deputy sheriff and a background investigator with the Seminole County Sheriff's Office. Now, what I find most interesting in Supervisor Anderson's resume. <laughs> it's probably very appropriate. I think as I you're, know what it is. You're here in Washington, <laughs> D.C. You, my friend, are a certified truth verification examiner. How in the world does one become a certified truth verification examiner? Well, I mean, got you're in, tre- you're in for a treat as well, because I think, Jamie, you got the CVSA machine. We can do a live <laughs> lie detector test right here today. <laughs> So, you know, it's uh, it's it's specialized training because I was a homicide detective. Mm -hmm. So those uh, tools can be utilized in investigations and also for hiring practices. And uh, the sheriff will make a selection of very uh, uh, folks that are pretty good with interview and interrogations to go and uh, take that training. And I was very blessed to be able to do that. So uh, it's it's a lot of training. Uh, It's a great tool. And I'm very happy to be able to have done that. Well, that is awesome. I, I find that fascinating. And frankly, I'm yeah. going to walk you around the Capitol after this. <laughs> and I just want you to point out lying truth, no, lying, lying truth. truth. <laughs> yeah, uh, it'll usually be and Democrat. I'll, you know, I'll tell you a quick, I'll tell you one of the questions that we ask. You'll get a kick out of this. It, it's the longest question on, on there that you could ask. It, and it goes just like this. Have you ever done anything that if you were caught, you would have went to jail for? 
That's the question that we ask any person that is coming in to be hired as a as a, a law enforcement officer. You would not believe the amount of looks that I got. They were like, um, what qualifies as like illegal? Because, I mean, yeah, I've done some things, but I don't know if I would have actually went to jail for it. So I always got to trip out of asking that question. But, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Truth. <laughs> truth verif- certified truth verification examiner. Yeah. Your role today, besides being a great guest on this podcast, is when our other two guests start to spew any BS, I want you to say, Wait BS. A minute. <laughs> <laughs> BS. So moving on to our next guest. Uh, we're joined today by Aaron Ackerman. Aaron started his career in government as a senior uh, at the University of Dayton, where he spent a semester in Washington, D.C., interning in the leadership office of then-Congressman John Boehner. Now, uh, hopefully you don't have lung cancer through secondhand smoke there. Um, But he also was accepted in the prestigious Legislative Service Commission Fellowship, where he began his work at the Ohio State House, staffing the officer, uh, staffing the offices of state senators, including my colleague here, Bob Latta, uh, before uh, joining the Ohio Bureau of Workers' Compensation as a legislative liaison. So in 2000, Aaron entered the private sector, and since then, he's represented nonprofit organizations, statewide associations, and Fortune 500 companies. Uh, he also now is president of Ackerman Consulting. It's a full-service government affairs firm. Now, Aaron, you went to the University of Dayton, right? Yes, sir. And proud flyer. You're so you're a proud flyer. And you are now, you're with the Ohio, you're representing the Ohio Association of Elections, right? So when at the University of Dayton did you get interested in wanting to come out here and come to Washington, D.C. and be stuck having to hang out with John Boehner for that long? So I was going to be a lawyer, you know, like every other political science major in the country, right? I was going to be a lawyer. And uh, in my senior year, my professor... Uh, my, my advisor said, hey, um, you know, send in a couple of kids out to D.C. You want to you want to give it a shot? And I said, heck, yeah, that'd be great. It was actually uh, 1995. So the Republicans had just taken back the House um, and, you know, in the elections of 94. Uh, Congressman Boehner was chairing the conference at the time. He wasn't speaker yet. And, yeah, so I came out, uh, had some funny stories, almost killed, uh, almost impaled Congressman Dick Army with a uh, with a U.S. flag as I was carrying it into his office <laughs> oh, and lots of other really, <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you former, you know, funny stories about Governor Kasich, uh, former Governor Kasich, and lots of other the uh, characters that have been out in D.C. over the years. Um, but it was a great experience, and so well, I changed my director, said no to law school and and yes to government and politics. Well, let's scrap this podcast and find out some of the inside stories about <laughs> Ohio members of Congress. That'd be great. Hey. Uh, I, I know I said one question during the intros. Um, I got to ask you another one. Do you have any stories on my colleague Dave Joyce from his time at the University of Dayton in undergrad and law school? <laughs> he preceded me by a couple of years, but his reputation did precede him. So I'll just leave it at that. We'll talk offline. We'll talk offline. <laughs> Thank you for for being here. I, I'm just excited to have you. Uh, really enjoy working with uh, officials in the state of Ohio and. Your Secretary of State there, Frank LaRose, is doing a great job, just like your Secretary of State, Laura Lee, is doing a phenomenal Absolutely. job in Florida. Absolutely. Shout out to Laura Lee. Oh, Absolutely. yeah. And, and LaRose. And LaRose. And go Raiders this weekend over the Browns. Ah. Uh, <laughs> you can see now when we're taping this. So now we're also joined today by my good friend and one of the commissioners on the Election Assistance Commission, 
Christy McCormick. Christy was nominated by President Obama and confirmed by the U.S. Senate in 2014 to serve on the U.S. Uh, Election Assistance Commission. And prior to her appointment with EAC, Commissioner McCormick served as a senior trial attorney in the voting section of the Civil Rights Division at the Department of Justice. And in this role, Ms. McCormick was responsible for investigating and prosecuting violations of federal voting statutes, including the Voting Rights Act, the National Voter Registration Act, and other provisions that the DOJ uh, has jurisdiction over. Uh, You know, Ms. McCormick is somebody that uh, was a U.S. elections expert in Iraq, and she was there observing and monitoring the 2010 Iraq national elections and provided assistance and advice to the Independent High Electoral Commission and witnessed an extensive 12-day election recount. Now, she was a rule of law liaison to the Curtis Regional Government and a liaison to rule of law advisors at the provincial reconstruction teams. And prior to joining DOJ, Ms. McCormick served as a judicial clerk to the Honorable Elizabeth A. McClanahan in the Court of Appeals of Virginia from 03 to 06. And she was also an assistant attorney general and assistant to the solicitor general in the office of the attorney general from 2001 to 2003. Yeah. I, I do want to start with uh, with Supervisor Anderson, uh, sure. Florida. Yes. Uh, I'm as, as somebody who lives in the state of Illinois, somebody who's won some very close races. And we had to kind of wonder for a few days how many votes were still outstanding. What were the results of that election going to be? Um, Florida seems to do a lot of things right. I mean, you, yeah, you you introduce election results on election night. Yeah, um, before ten o'clock. Before ten o'clock, and, yeah. and Florida was <laughs> under the microscope in two thousand. Absolutely, I remember working for a member of Congress, sitting in his campaign office that flashed across the screen on yeah. the brand new Fox News channel, Bush wins, and then we all were happy. We yeah. left. We went to the Waffle House. We got breakfast, and by the time I got back to our hotel. It was, hold on a second, <laughs> that may not stand. What I did is I immediately went to the newspaper machine for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch and said, Bush wins. I, I grabbed one. <laughs> and, you know, and then we saw what happened in Florida. Yeah. So Florida was the epicenter of, of election law changes uh, back post-2000. Correct. Now, as you're looking ahead, what is, what is it like in Florida when it comes to election machines, administration, certification. Give us an idea of what you have to go through as a supervisor. Well, it really it starts with the relationship that the supervisors have with the legislators, because in the state of Florida, uh, in many states, the legislators responsible for the election code. So they listen to us. You know, in 2019, we had 16 legislative priorities. 13 of them made it into uh, Senate Bill 90, uh, or no, I'm sorry, Senate Bill 7066. That was, in my opinion, had a lot to do with the success of of our election in 2020. Now, as far as voting systems are concerned, uh, to be very simplistic with it, you know, we tested in the beginning, we audited it in the end. And that test is happening. That's a logic and accuracy test. And to be clear, there is total transparency. I like to say, you know, my office is the most transparent office in the county. Right. I have to have you are, you know, the logic and accuracy test is, is uh, open to the public. 
uh, never crowded, please join us. The audit is, uh, the, the manual audit is open to the public. Well, never crowded, it, please join us. Why would anybody come in? You're going to use your certified truth examiner certification. <laughs> Listen, it is, it, it, you know, I, I cannot tell you, is it a very uh, exciting process to see? Not, not, not by any stretch of the imagination, but it is one of the most important processes, if not the most important process in our democracy. We're testing those machines and there's a test deck that is being created. And what's happening is we're running those ballots into, into those machines, making sure that that predetermined uh, results come out correctly. And that's important. And in Seminole County, we take it a step further. And what we do is we put all of our early voting machines into uh, our, our logic and accuracy test. And the reason why we do that is because early voting is the most popular method of voting in Seminole County. So why not give the machines that are going to see the most action uh, an opportunity to be tested in front of the public? And then after we do that, you know, we're going to take those results. We're going to seal them. We're going to put them into our vault. Very, and, 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 they, and we'll talk a little bit later about a lot of the processes that we put in place. But that's a very big key that happens 25 days before early voting, which is testing those machines in front of the public, being very transparent and, and explaining what happens at that point so folks can know that the machines, they work properly. And the very last thing we do at the end is we seal them. We put a seal on them. We have a chain of custody. They're under 24 hours, seven day a week, camera surveillance, uh, and those seals won't be broken until it's time, uh, until it's game time. Well, that's what we like to see. And, yeah. and, and I think that helps, you know, the average listener understand Absolutely. the process. Yeah. Uh, I'm from Illinois, you'd be surprised. You know, a lot of folks will say, you know, we're doing things right in Illinois because they see the process work. Mm -hmm. uh, and then they'll say, but what about these other states? And I just, you know, it's right. great to have you on here because I can then refer my constituents who have questions about Florida. I can refer them to this podcast and they can know that Absolutely. if any Florida resident can come and see what you're doing. And clearly the voters like the job you're doing because you won in a landslide. Well, I appreciate election. that. Uh, so congratulations. Thank you. Um, and you, you, did you know I was spewing BS there? No, not you, at you all. You didn't use no, your certification? No. <laughs> <laughs> that was 100% not. <laughs> Thank well, you very much. Very grateful for that. Oh, now down to Ohio, a state I, I was actually in for the special election for the two congressional races just a few short months ago during their primary I was with your Secretary of State, Frank LaRose, with Congressman Joyce, and you know, I got to see what, how an election is run and, and, and what the procedures are in the state of Ohio, and I always compare them with my home state of Illinois. So, Mr. Ackerman, um, we've heard and we will continue to hear uh, a lot of talk about election security. Are there any concerns about election security that have been highlighted by Ohio officials on the state and local level that you might want to share with our listeners? Yeah, I think one of the, and you touched on Secretary LaRose and the great work he's doing um, on, on a lot of fronts. One of his, I would say, seminal, no pun intended, to uh, Commissioner Anderson uh, achievements is probably getting a really big security directive through. Um, it's pages upon pages of really technical things that election officials around the state uh, had to undertake. We were able to use some federal dollars, leverage some federal dollars to uh, to accomplish it. But cybersecurity, you know, cybersecurity is front and center for election officials, not just in Ohio, but around the country. Yep. We take it very seriously. 
Uh, we've, we've, you know, hardened our cyber defenses. We've hardened our physical security defenses, like, uh, like Supervisor Anderson was saying, with double locks and keys and cameras all over the place. Um, and so I, I would say that, you know, to the extent that states want to get involved and really do something about security, um, look at all the external threats uh, coming in on the cyber front and, and get uh, proactive about it. Great. Well, you know, that's this is what we need to hear. And, and, and really, you know, as the Constitution says, our, our state and local officials should be the ones to run our elections, uh, not Agreed. us here in Washington, D.C. And now, Commissioner McCormick, uh, you and I have, have talked a lot about yes, the role of the EAC and and uh, executing the the funding that goes out to our states through the Help America Vote Act. Federal funding that we gave to states to you know, deal with cybersecurity issues that Mr. Ackerman talked about, help them purchase machines, machines like uh, Supervisor Anderson uses in Seminole County. Uh, give us an idea, Commissioner, about the testing process that exists for election machines that the EAC has jurisdiction over. Yeah, sure. Um, as you know, HAVA actually transferred that duty from uh, the SEC to the EAC yep, that's right. uh, when it created the Help America Vote Act, uh, when it passed the Help America Vote Act. And so we uh, start that process by uh, formulating uh, a set of specifications and requirements against what the voting systems are tested against, called the VVSG, or the Voluntary Voting System Guidelines. And... Um, the first uh, iteration of those that the EAC passed was in 2005, which was quite a long time ago, uh, uh, several years before smartphones, actually. And uh, uh, we had one uh, update in between, and we just passed another update recently. Uh, and just to describe those uh, guidelines, we, we kind of have upper-level principles. Uh, right now we have about 15 of them, and they're things like uh, you know ballot security and voter privacy and physical security, data protection, auditability. I won't go through all of them. But under those uh, principles, then we have uh, different detailed requirements against which the machines are tested. So, for example, with data protection, we make sure that the uh, voting system prevents any unauthorized access or manipulation uh, of the data uh, or the cast vote records or, or the audit records or that the um, – source and integrity of the election tabulation system is verifiable, things like that, to make sure that the machines are secure, uh, in addition to being, you know, uh, accessible and uh, interoperable with other equipment and, and, and things of that nature. Uh, and we provide a certification of those uh, machines if they meet all of the requirements. And those requirements are pretty lengthy. They are running about three or 400 pages. Of requirements, and there are test assertions that uh, each of the labs tests against to make it consistent. Uh, so it doesn't really matter which lab you bring it to. Um, so uh, the manufacturers pay for that. Uh, it is not paid for by the federal government. Uh, and about I would say 45-ish states use our program in some way. Either they use our 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 guidelines as a basis for their guidelines either in total or they supplement them with the state guidelines or they use our testing lab uh, to do some testing. We've also added this year something new, of uh, a penetration testing element, and we're going to require the manufacturers to have their systems tested for any kind of risks or vulnerabilities in the systems that might exist. Great, great. Well, thank you for going through that process. Um, 
you know, Supervisor Anderson. Yeah. You, Florida is it one of the states that doesn't uh, mm-hmm. doesn't have federal guideline requirements. You have your own, right? Right. Correct. Um, so Commissioner McCormick just laid out what the EAC does for election machine security and and uh, in functionality before those machines can be purchased by your counterparts in other states. Absolutely. Explain to us now, after you've heard that explanation of what happens at the EAC with HAVA and what have you, what do you do when purchasing an election machine? How does, how does that voter know that that machine is going to be secure? So the state of Florida has a certification process that is housed through the Department of State. You probably had that conversation with Secretary Lee uh, as to how that actually works. And Commissioner McCormick did a fantastic job. And I wanted, before I forget, to say, uh, Commissioner McCormick, please say hello to Commissioner Palmer for me uh, when you get a chance. Thank you. Um, but when it comes to the purchasing of equipment, so that uh, each vendor has to be certified through the state before we can purchase their equipment. Okay. And there's only two vendors. So, you know, as folks that have had questions uh, of voting systems, I said, look, we don't just get to go to Walmart or Target and pick out a machine. We actually have to go. We actually have to choose a machine that has gone through a quite rigorous uh, certification process. Uh, prior to uh, before we can uh, actually even purchase them. And those two vendors are in the state of Florida Dominion and ESNS. So those two vendors have the ability to sell the voting machine, the machine that, that will, where a, a, a person will go in and, mm-hmm. and actually cast their vote. And, and then the tabulator afterwards. Are you optical scan there? We are. So in the state of Florida, we have an optical scan. Okay. Uh, that is required. We vote on vote, uh, uh, mark since paper ballot. Uh, and I will say, you know, there are different levels to some of those certifications. You know, some equipment in the state of Florida, they don't, they can't get to that certification level because it's just, it's a very high standard. So the state of Florida says, you know what, well, you might be able to do some things that don't involve the voting system certifications. And, you know, you have a couple of those uh, vendors that can do that. But for the most part, uh, in totality, you have to have that certification before you can sell to any supervisor of elections in the state of Florida. And then once we receive that those machines, we go through them ourselves to make sure that they work well. We have penetration testing that we take on ourselves. So it's going above that standard uh, for each election official in the state of Florida. I know myself included. I've had DH, uh, uh, the Department of Homeland Security come in and do it. Um, I'm actually looking forward to having the National Guard in the state of Florida come next oh, year wow. and do it. Yeah, man, I'm not holding back. Right. Like, I'm I'm going to do everything I can to give voters confidence in what that's we great. do. Yeah. Well, that, that's great to hear, especially, you know, I mean, this is why we need every single election right. official nationwide to now be a certified truth examiner. <laughs> <laughs> that is it. That is it. But, Mr. Ackerman, uh, start with you. What election myths have you encountered and had to address in your role? Yeah, I mean, this year the big one, of course, was about uh, some of the voting systems and, and who owns them and where they originate and, you know, what's going on and, and with the voting systems. I'm really glad Commissioner McCormick went through the ex- extensive process Absolutely. that exists to certify voting equipment. Because, you know, the truth is, you know, Hugo Chavez does not own a voting system that's used in, in the United States of America. And so just trying to rebut a lot of those misperceptions and misconceptions and frankly, disinformation that was sown by people that have a vested interest in messing up America's democracy um, as it relates to voting systems. That was our big challenge last year. Yeah, anybody that knows anything about Venezuela, I mean, if there's a country that's capable of hacking voting machines, it certainly is not Venezuela. Right? Yeah. I mean, I, 
Even if you right. just watch the Jack Ryan episode of season two, uh, you yeah. you know it's they're not capable. No, no. Uh, but uh, Ms. McCormick, uh, and, real quick, and, what ancillary to that? Real quick, yeah. we don't connect our our voting machines to the internet either. That was exactly. a big myth and misconception yeah. that we wanted to make. Absolutely. Uh, what what myths have you encountered at the EAC, and and how'd you respond? Uh, so some of the same similar ones that Mr. Ackerman did, uh, including things like the election results went through computers in Germany or Italy or some other country overseas. That's not how it works. Uh, you know, they're not sent through one collection channel uh, and the vote totals cannot be changed. They have, you know, you can verify those with uh, audits and and uh, other methods of making sure that the vote totals are correct. So, uh, yeah, we saw a lot of, you know, myths about the, the machines and, you know, the hacking of the machines, which you'd have to have an army to hack our machines. You'd have to send somebody out to hack each machine individually. It's just not possible. So there's a lot of concern about election security. I think one of the biggest untold stories of 2018 and 2020 is what we did to protect ourselves from some of the things that happened in 2016. 2016, my home state of Illinois. We had our voter registration system hacked at the Illinois State Board of Elections right. uh, by what they believe is Russia, a, a nation state. Uh, they didn't get anything because that same data is compiled is compiled at a county level and sent to the state board. They just asked for that data again. And, right. and frankly, they got the most updated data once they re- reset their, their voter system. Uh, but supervisor, I mean, you're dealing with this at the local level. You're talking about how you're telling your your voters, come see the process. What myth have you encountered and how did you respond to that? So, and I, I will echo my uh, fellow panelists here uh, with the voting systems, right? So we had to debunk those things and we, 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 got, we shut those things down. And what's very interesting when you talk about uh, the the trying to hack uh, uh, hack a, a voting system. So I was a, a U.S. Marshal Task Force officer, and the U.S. Marshals have something which is basically a roving cell phone. So if you ever seen where you know these guys can can if the bad guy picks up the cell phone and they start to use it, the next thing you know the marshals are kicking in your door. I, that was me. I was that guy. So do you still have that cell phone? No, I don't have that that equipment. It's pretty expensive. Pretty uh, expensive equipment. Uh, However, when I come to Seminole County, I want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> However, you know that's what you would have to have, right? Yeah. Because you would have to know that when when uh, uh, transmission of results are being sent, not from from the voting system to our office, but from the uh, from our office to the state, right? Because we have to send that to the state to report. Um, you would have to know when that was going to happen in order for that to even take place. So when people hear that from uh, from my background perspective, they're like, oh, wow. Yeah, you, you, you literally would have to know so many different things that it's impossible to know. But the biggest thing that I've had to debunk uh, personally is deceased voters. So people that are voting, uh, people believe that dead people vote. In the state of Florida, uh, through the Department of Health and the, with vital statistics, we received the death index. So uh, quite notably, we had a school board member whose uh, father passed away and she called me up doing her due diligence. She said, Chris, I just want to make sure that you, your voter rolls are updated and I want to let you know that my father passed away. What do I need to do? I said, well, you know what? Get us over a death certificate and we'll get it taken care of. Go and do that. And I uh, get call my voter services chief and she said, no, she, he's already off the roll. And I was like, 
Not surprised. And that's because we received the information ahead of time. So I called the school board member back, who's an elected official in the county, and I said, it's already been taken care of. And another situation, I had a lady who was there at the logic and accuracy test who was demanding. She was telling me, you don't understand, Chris. People <laughs> vote. Dead people vote. I know they do. But when I came up here to get my sister removed off the roll, you had already done that. And I said, so where are we at right now? Right. Like, No. So that's one of the biggest things that you have to kind of uh, debunk. So uh, that's what I would say. But. We've heard a lot of discussion about security measures for our election mm -hmm. machines, the, the machines where a ballot is cast and where a ballot is, ballot is counted. I think what the Illinois situation I mentioned earlier exposes is where there might be some certification weaknesses when it comes to things like e-poll books, uh, because they're moving more into the electronic stage that our voting machines moved into post-2000 in your home state. Okay. So e-poll books, for example. And I know Commissioner McCormick will, will tell us uh, they don't go through the same rigorous standards that the election machines do. In Florida, do you have certification standards for your e-poll books and non-ballot counting machines too? So you have, so there's a certification process uh, for every vendor that is going to sell something to an elections official uh, in the state of Florida, whether that be uh, on your front end system with your voter registration or your e-poll books. Now, let's be clear. When we talk about the, 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 the precinct, mm -hmm. and I'm going to set the stage here for you real quick. A precinct is like a bank. The e-poll book is a separate system uh, in some cases, in, in Seminole County, we actually have a separate vendor for our e-poll books. And it and in no case is your e-poll books connected to tabulation. Your e-poll book is a paper version of you signing the register. You know, back in the day when people went to vote, they had to sign by their name. Well, that's all you're doing in, in your, in your, with your e-poll books is you're signing in and it's marking your record as voted. When you walk away from that table and you have that ballot, and you're going in there and you're voting and you turn that into a, a tabulator, that is when it's happening. That's when your vote is being cast. And people don't realize that the two are not connected. And if you're talking about the, the issue of results, right, every precinct has to take the results tape that comes from the optical scanner and put it on the window. So if, if you wanted to, you could go to all the precincts in, in your county in the state of Florida and do your own uh, uh, tally, if you would. Right. If you will. But and you don't have to do that because obviously we're 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 doing it for you. And another big thing is, is, you know, in the state of Florida, uh, vote by mail and early voting. Those aren't transmitted results. Hundred four thousand people voted by mail. Hundred fifteen thousand people voted uh, early in the, in Seminole County. We had two hundred sixty two thousand seven hundred twenty nine people vote. Only 42,000 of those individuals voted on Election Day. We only transmit 17 to 24 percent of the vote. Do you know why we do that? Because at 701, everybody wants to know who won. I always ask people, I say, look, we can stop transmitting results. In the, and it's a closed tunnel network that we're doing it. It's not even on the Internet. We can stop. But try, here's what's going to happen. You're going to want to know who won. And uh -huh. guess what I'm going to say? Well, I'll get back to you in a couple of days. 
And that's not going to be a good enough answer because CNN, Fox News and MNBC, MSNBC got those maps on there. They're pressing blue and red because you want to know what you want to know. And it's called instant gratification. So you're not going to alleviate that. The only way to alleviate that would be to me to have all my equipment truck back, bust back to my office and we go through every voting system and manually upload or we can transmit about 17 to 24 percent of the vote. And we all know by the time we get to Election Day, elections are, are pretty much decided right from a from a strategy perspective on the campaign side. So people find they take a little bit of solace in that as well to know that, oh, so you're saying the major part of the vote, it doesn't even has nothing to do with transmission of anything. No, it doesn't. And that's another that, that, that gives them a lot of security to know that as well. well. You guys have voter ID in Florida, right? Twelve acceptable forms. Yeah, we so in Ohio, when I was there with Secretary LaRose, I actually made sure that I was not going to be able to vote at a precinct during the special election in the 15th congressional district. And I put my Illinois driver's license barcode up under the e-poll book and it said Scanning I was it. not a registered or qualified voter. So it worked. <laughs> the process worked. That's right. So when when you're talking about e-poll books, uh, Mr. Ackerman, in, in states like Ohio, uh, I know voters, dead voters get removed from the rolls in Florida, but I couldn't get the then Secretary of State of California, now U.S. Senator Alex Padilla, to commit to removing thousands of identified dead voters in California prior to the 2020 election cycle. So different states have different standards. Uh, on the e-poll book issues and certifications, uh, I got about 30 seconds for you and about 30 seconds for Commissioner McCormick to give us uh, your thoughts. Yep, we, um, we love what Commissioner McCormick does at the EAC and NIST, and so all of our voting systems are certified by both, uh, both the federal government uh, through them, through their BVSG, and we have our own uh, system as well, just like uh, machine examiners here in Ohio. So our uh, voting equipment goes through both. Our electronic poll books go through a local uh, the state certification process. Uh, and there's actually some legislation pending right now to get us uh, up to speed with where Florida is to have our uh, voter registration system certified as well. So yeah, we're, we're all for that certification process and strengthening it. We like doing it here in the state of Ohio and do a good job. We love what Commissioner McCormick and the AC does as well. And so we, we kind of Use both to the extent that we can. Great. Thank you. Uh, 30 seconds, Commissioner. What do you think? Well, so I think one of the things the EAC is trying to do is to look at some of the other supporting election technology, including e-poll books, and start a certification, a national voluntary certification uh, for e-poll books. We're starting off on a pilot program to do that. Uh, We've got a lot of support, actually, from the manufacturers who are willing to put their systems up for test. Uh, so that's a good thing. Hopefully we'll see some other types of uh, certification of other supporting technologies, but we do have to make sure that uh, we take physical and cybersecurity uh, very seriously and, and look for the risks and, and uh, vulnerabilities in the systems and, and where we can mitigate those. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I'm happy to have this group, Supervisor of Elections in Seminole County, Florida, Uh, Give my best to my good buddy and good friend, uh, Governor Ron DeSantis. He's doing a phenomenal job for the state of Florida. Give him some flack. Tell him we want him back on the congressional baseball team. (laughs) Um, And it took him it took him leaving for us to win. So uh, there you go. Uh, Commissioner, 
Christy McCormick, thank you so much for joining us. And, and Thank you for having me. Uh, great to speak with you again. And, and Aaron Ackerman, great to work with you. Great to meet you. And, and I look forward to seeing you again in the future. Great discussion today. We're going to end this podcast, episode two, Committee on House Administration. If you want to be the best, you got to join the best. Woo! <laughs> Thanks, everyone. <laughs>